Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Zach Williams of the band The Lone Bellow joins Wheels Off from his home in Nashville. There is a fun drama during the course of this conversation involving a cat. You'll have to listen to hear it unfold. He's got a story that, if you don't know it, you'll, I think, be surprised by it, maybe even riveted by it. It's a, it's a really fascinating route that he took into music, into songwriting, and it's interesting to see where he is now, seven albums in, four kids later, you know, a move from Park Slope to Nashville. It's a fascinating creative life that he is in the midst of leading, and I think he appreciates his luck, his good fortune in getting to live the life. That's the impression I get. I'm really grateful that he was willing to join me on Wheels Off, and I think that there's a lot of really useful stuff in this conversation, a lot of really inspiring advice. Um, I, for one, know that there's a book that gets mentioned in here that I'm going to go read. And I'm I continue to be so grateful that Wheels Off brings people like Zach Williams into my life. Please welcome to Wheels Off, the Lone Bellows, Zach Williams. Welcome to Wheels Off, Zach Williams. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes, hello. Thanks for having me. Um, for the edification of our listeners, uh, from where are you logging in? I'm in East Nashville nice. um, at the bottom of a tree waiting for my cat to climb down. I love it. I can hear the birds singing too. Yeah, yeah. All the animals are begging for her to to come down from the tree. <laughs> That's good. I thought even in East Nashville, the birds are trying to get a deal. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? This place is hilarious. Where Where are you? Um, I'm, I live in the Hudson Valley, so I'm about 90 minutes north of Manhattan. I'm yeah. Down in my basement office, but I've got a window and it's a really beautiful kind of cloudy, cool day and got the windows opened up here too you might hear birds on my end dude that's where i i want to live up there sometime I've, I've got i've got good buddies in kingston yep i love kingston um and i've got buddies and um just outside the woodstock area and yeah. i just love it up there man um, yeah we we wound up here 20 years ago in in august and it's been so great like i didn't realize that this was like the secret jewel of the of north america 
You got Bette Midler up there with you. She's up there somewhere. See, Rhett Miller and Bette Midler. It's going to be very confusing. <laughs> um, did you, are, are you from the Northeast? No, God, no. I grow, I'm a seventh generation Texan. How come you're interviewing me? Whoa. Zach. Well, I'm interviewing, well, I, I always find it interesting when, when people don't live in Nashville to do, to do music. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I moved, I, I lived in Brooklyn for a decade mm -hmm. and uh, it's kind of like where I cut my teeth. But then by the time, you know, we were in tour buses and stuff and everybody had families, we, I don't know, we, we had this meeting with our agent and he was like, hey, here's how much more you could be home if you, if you were based out of Nashville. And we all like broken hearted left New York and moved down here. So whenever I meet someone that like doesn't live in Nashville, I'm like, how'd you, how'd you do it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of driving to LaGuardia for like okay. two hour, two and a half hour drive to LaGuardia. But I get it. I have tons of friends that moved down to Nashville as well. And the logistics of it seem great, but I, I kind of had to get out of the South heat politics all that kind of stuff and and yeah. this re really wound up being a great place to raise kids but, cool. well if you ever want to come uh house hunt i know some good real estate yeah. people and i've got a guest room so you're welcome anytime although you do have a big brood there's a lot of us um you know it's funny my buddy josh just sent me a uh he just sent me like a house listing it's this insane, it, it looks kind of like an old fire house, but it's four hours north of New York and it's for $100,000 and it has a bowling alley in the basement. Wow. And all it, of the old like, or no, it's, a, it's an old Masonic home and all oh. the old furniture comes with it. And he oh was like, God. it's only four hours north of New York. And I was like, well, you know, depending on what town it's in, it, could, it can get really sad it, <laughs> it four hours is a long way <laughs> or like even hudson a lot of brooklynites moved to hudson new york but even that that's like two and a half hours and to me like 90 minutes is great and I'm, i've got three yeah. acres i'm in the in the i don't know how you got me going on this sack i but uh, I highly recommend it i don't want to let the secret out but this is a pretty great area um hey so congrats. you're in the hudson valley you, I, you don't live I in am. hudson okay yeah got it um, congrats on the new record. I mean, new-ish record. It's been out for a little while now. Thanks, man. Are you, um, do you have a creative project that you're working on at the moment? And if so, how does it light you oh, up? Man. Yeah. You know, I, I started, um, like, um, doing more long form writing, uh, about a year ago. Like, I don't know if, I, I think just for my creative process, I think I wanted to try to tell some stories that like didn't have to fit in a three minute window. And I've been, I've, I've been enjoying that. I've been, um, kind of writing stories about my, my, my family in Georgia where I grew up. I, I had like six aunts and uncles and, uh, I grew up close to this place called the Dixie Speedway. It was like an old dirt. So I like, you know, fell asleep 
to the sounds of the of the race cars every Friday night and all my uncles like were like pit crew and it was just a it was like a redneck oasis and um so I've been I've been like gently writing about that for for about a year um but song wise I don't know I'm 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 currently in a little bit of a of a funk I think I, I did a solo record and then I immediately did another Lone Bello record. And I feel like my heart was just like, now stop. And uh, so I've, I've taken a little bit of a break on songwriting, which for a season was like really nice. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm not going to, I'm only going to write a song if I want to. I'm never writing a song because I have to ever again. And now for the past like, six months I've had this like a little bit of anxiety built up around it a little bit. And, um, I, I overthink songwriting a lot. Um, whereas like my bandmate, like Brian, he'll go write a song with his next door neighbor this morning. Like he, he's like very fluid. Um, but anyways, yes, I'm creatively currently in like, I'm kind of like a cat stuck up in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> which is what the scene that you're watching from your yeah. front porch has that developed at all no okay uh no she we got food at the bottom of the tree and she's she's meowing up there um so you would think she's stuck but she's not she's not <laughs> stuck she has all her claws and she can literally walk up and down the trunk <laughs> Um, I think that's so exciting, by the way, about fiction, about writing uh, long form fiction. And it's it's a dream of mine. And I know a handful of singer songwriters that that have the dream of swerving out of their lane into that lane. I remember years ago working with Robin Hitchcock and his dad, the, the British uh, eccentric singer songwriter who also oh. lived in Nashville for a while, Robin Hitchcock. And his dad had been an, a mystery novelist. And Robin <clears throat> at the time had uh, stopped down from music and was trying to write a mystery novel. And I asked him uh, how it was going. And he said, you will never write more songs than when you're trying to write a novel. So mm -hmm. his experience was that he would get frustrated with this other discipline and he would go back to the thing that was easy for him. So maybe the songwriting will come as you lean into the fiction. I love that. That's encouraging. Um, that whole time I thought that you were about to drop that his dad was Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wait, mystery. What? <laughs> no, that would have been Oh, great. man. No, that's really, that's, that would be great. That would be great. Do, uh, um, do you have aspirations to carve out some, like, short stories and publish them independently? I'm sure people would freak out. I, you know, I, I'm in this situation right now where the stories that I'm writing are true and it would royally piss off my family members <laughs> like it's like like david sedaris style true story yeah maybe so but david sedaris you know his i feel like the majority of his family have like you know have great sense of humor it's not saying that my family doesn't have a great <laughs> sense of humor but like they <laughs> I mean, Amy Sedaris, like, I love that story. I forgot which book it is, but 
when he talks about how he visited her in New York one time and she showed up and like one of her back molars were completely missing. And she was like, can you, can you tell? Is it obvious? And he was like, yes, I can fit my thumb in your, in the gap of your tooth. I, yeah, I, the stories that I'm working on, it's like, a lot of crime happened that was like never taken care of. <laughs> um, yeah. No, Goldie's still up in the tree. Yeah. They're inside. Um, yeah, man. First week of summer, all, all four kids are home. Uh, uh, so yeah. So I'm like, I, I could, I could change. I mean, I guess I could change all their names, but their names are so perfect. Like, it's hard to change their names. It's like, it's like my uncle Dale, and then my aunts are Tammy and India and Narda. It's like you can't. My grandma did so well naming her daughters like weird Southern Gothic names. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to beat. So right now, the way I'm writing, I just like have their names in there. But yeah. I don't know. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember yeah, when you when you were a kid? Do you remember um, wanting to be a musician? Did you think did, when you started? Do you think you might want to be a writer? Was there like an epiphany moment? Was this always in your consciousness? So not when I was a kid. I I started writing out of like a um, writing was like a cathartic thing for me. So my my wife and I got married young like small town right we got married when i think i was 22 um we got married way too soon <laughs> but we made it through um but a year into being married my wife uh, fell off one of my family's horses and uh broke her neck and was like a quadriplegic uh and was diagnosed quadriplegic which you know that means you can't move from the neck down we're at this beautiful hospital called the Shepherd Center down in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and I was, you know, grief and uh, shock and all of it, you know, the, the human heart just kind of goes numb, you know, and, and just like, I think it goes into some sort of like emotional survivor, survival mode. So I personally was having this like kind of outer body experience where I was like worried about myself. Uh, and I was going through these classes, like trying to figure out how to like, they were teaching me like how to bathe her and feed her and da da da. And my friends would come up and visit me in the hospital and they'd be like, how are you? And instead of trying to, communicate how I was because it was so layered and I didn't understand it. I would just like read them journal entries that I would write like in the middle of the night. Like, and thankfully they were all like kind of curved towards artistry. They were like thespians and wanted to be playwrights and, the, and they were like, Hey, you should try to learn how to play the guitar and sing at the same time and just go sing these journal entries. Um, at an open mic and I miss open mics, by the way, uh, yeah. open mics were so, they were so great. Um, there was, I found an open mic almost, almost directly across the street from the hospital. 
Um, it was at a it was at a coffee shop, and the songs didn't have any choruses or anything. And I would just go and like, that's that's where like, I finally like cried for the first time, you know, because like when you're going through shot, like sometimes like you don't, you know, like some some. I remember when my when my buddy's dad passed away at a really young age. He was like, "Why didn't I cry at the funeral?" I was like, "Well, I don't, you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen like that." Or 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 a buddy like had his first kid and was like, "Why didn't I cry when I held the kid the first time?" I was like, "Well, you know." So anyway, so the first time I cried was like in front of strangers, mm-hmm. and that's where songwriting became like a really just exciting and safe place for me to kind of like explore my own feelings. And, and thankfully like beyond the doctor's understandings, like Stacy, my wife completely healed and walked out of the hospital. It was insane. And, but while we were living in the hospital, this is like, Oh, four. Um, me and all my buddies like made a pact. We were like, Hey, if Stacy ever can like move again, uh, I think we even said from the waist down, we were like, let's all move to New York City together and just like pursue the arts. So she got better, and we all did. All ten of us all wow. moved up, and and it was so fun. And uh, and we all just like were dirt broke back when you could be dirt broke in Brooklyn and get by. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for a long time and yeah man that was kind of my journal journey into songwriting wow and um does it still serve that same uh, uh therapeutic cathartic purpose for you it does for sure um it's like twofold now and you probably experienced this too but like at shows uh like in the same moment you like remembering like why you wrote the song right and you're singing it and at the same time you're like i know this song isn't mine anymore it's like these strangers in this room and you get to be a part of somebody else's like deep breath and that i mean that's like the honor of being a songwriter and 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 trying to do this right. Like it's just like being a part of this like human kind of thing. So that's a very beautiful cathartic thing for me. Um, and then also, yeah, writing, I, you know, I, I went through a phase where I thought that I could only write like sad songs out of tragedy. Um, I remember this one time <laughs> I was living in Brooklyn I was playing at Rockwood Music Hall a lot. I don't know if you've ever been to Rockwood. Of course. Yes, of course. All right. So Ken Rockwood was like my mentor, uh, the guy that owned Rockwood Music Hall. He like totally took me under his wing for years. He had his own record label with Atlantic Records, and he wanted to sign me. Uh, and it, this is before the Lone Bellow. And we went to Legacy Studios, and we went to Avatar. These two, like, you remember these places? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and you know, we like live recorded a few songs and he took it to his boss, man, this man named 
Pete Gambart. I'll never forget his name. Pete was like high up at Atlantic, right? And Ken was like, hey, Pete wants you to come in. He wants to meet you, you know? And this is back when like getting a record deal would like change the course of your career, right? Yeah. Um, so I was like really excited and I, and I showed up. I forgot my capo. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, sing me a song. I'm, I'm not a good guitar player. I was like, Ugh. oh, sang a couple songs like in the wrong key. Totally, totally flopped. And oh. he said to me, he was, he was like, Hey, I don't, I don't want to have to wait for another tragedy to happen to you for you to write like another good song. And I was like, what? <laughs> and that was the end of that meeting. And I kind I think I kind of carried that fear with me for a long time. And then I don't know, like years later, I was playing Newport folk festival and I met my hero, Jim James from my morning jacket. And he was such a nice guy. He like took me out for coffee and I had this whole talk with him. Like, Hey, I, you know, I, I feel like I can only write out a tragedy to that. And he was, he was just like hard stop. He was like, he was like, it's definitely harder writing out of, a, a place of like emotional health and even joy, but like you should do it and you can do it. And, um, for the past like four or five years now, I've, I've been trying, trying to do that and, uh, trying to put myself in other people's stories. And, um, you know how it is. Like you get, you get in a chapter of your life where like things aren't as crazy as they used to be. Like, you know, my, my wife and I's relationship isn't on the brink of falling apart anymore. We, we like have built like a, a strong foundation with each other and we're raising children and we, we have other people's, um, uh, hearts and minds like on our mind, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of, I know that's a long answer to your question, but that's kind of where I'm at right now of just like, how do, how do I write a song when I, I can, I can pay my, my bills. Um, I'm not broken in New York anymore. And, and anyway, you know how it is. Dude, I, I think about it all the time. The old 97s go into the studio next week in Portland um, with Tucker Martin, who did a bunch of gym James, my morning jacket. Oh. But um, which Portland? Oh, Oregon with uh, Tucker Martin. Oh. oh, yes. Produced. So anyway, but I'm I'm writing a bunch of new songs, and I'm 52 years old, and I'm thinking like, you know, the conversations I have with my friends are no longer about terrible life choices and drunkenness yes. and the kind of right? things that I wrote songs about for years. And now it's about, oh yeah, you know, my hip is really hurting. I had to get an MRI <laughs> on my hip. And I'm like, is this what I have to write songs about now? So, yeah, no, right? it's not, my, not my hip, but but still, it's like, yeah, <clears throat> I think Jim is right. I don't think we have to write. I don't. Well, that it's it's part of why I think so many artists wind up with drug problems because they think mm -hmm. that they have to be in this really messed up space to make great art. But yeah. that's I don't think that's true. Um, I, I don't, it, I, I, yeah, I, it can't be true. 
It huh. can't be true. No. Um, I've really enjoyed. Oh, she's coming down. Yes. Yes. Harlan. Crazy. Give her space. Give her space. Give her space. Gracie is coming down out of the tree. Here, Goldie. Yeah. Goldie Hawn. Oh, Goldie. Her name. She's out. Goldie. And Hazel has her. We've yes. got the cat. Oh. Woo! I was, I was hoping Bring. we would get a, a happy ending for the listeners. Bring the kitty to me. I've got I've to show my new friend here. <laughs> this is Goldie Hawn. Goldie. We named her after the, specifically after the Overboard movie. Yeah. Oh where her and Kurt, Kurt Russell fell in love. So she's Goldie. a tro- troublemaker. Oh my God. Look at that cat. Goldie is not gold. Goldie is black no. and silver and All right, beautiful. Take her inside. Looks like Shut the door. 15 job, pounds of girls. fur. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> Where, where's the dog? The dog's fine. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, mental health, songwriting. But okay, so let me just ask you this. Um, we all artist types, and probably everyone, but specifically artist types, run into these uh, interior um obstacles these self-generated internal obstacles and i wonder for you um what have you figured out as a way to work through those you know self-generated obstacles you know i want to start with something that triggers those Mm -hmm. and i want to know if you share this venues across america have all of our they're, they're like sign the wall yeah right and you look at the wall and there's like 300 band names that you've never recognized <laughs> you're like i have this like thing where i'm like where are they now and is this going to happen to me <laughs> like we're like we're like 12 years deep into like touring full-time and i still have this like what's What's going to happen? Is there something that I don't know about? Um, I, I can safely say I don't, I don't have a good tool for this. This is something that I like that I battle on the, on, on the regular, Um, but I'm, but I'm down to, to battle it. Um, I wish I had something where I was just like, yep. Whenever I feel that resistance, I grab this, this wand and I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, there, I mean, I, I, I do, I have vocabulary to it now, especially that, you know, there's that book, um, war of art. And I, and, uh, I felt like that guy did such a great job just talking about like the constant resistance. Uh, and he, and he talks about how like, everything if we could have a perspective where like everything in our in our lives and our world like doesn't want us to create it wants us to like numb out and i'm not even talking about like the internet and social media and i'm talking about like the grind uh just like bills worry about the future um, ADHD, whatever you want, like 
him him putting that vocabulary to to what I wrestle with like on on a on a daily basis was was really helpful to me. But yeah, like like you're going into the studio next week, like where how are you feeling? Um, <laughs> and how many records deep is this for you guys? Um, this will be the thirteenth old ninety sevens album. Wow. And then I've also made eight solo albums. Whoa. And then a couple Holy of albums of, of weird stuff early on. So what this would be like 20, tw this would be like the 24th album. Man, that's it's amazing. And I sometimes I, and I started thinking like 10, 15 years ago, is this enough? Like, when will it be enough? Like, does the universe need more songs from me? But I need more songs because my kids are going to yeah. go to college this year and <clears throat> yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. So how do I feel? It uh, depends what day you ask me. Like I was down in Texas a couple of days ago and I played through the A-list for my mom and my brother, which is sort of a tradition. You know, whenever I got new songs, I'll play them for those guys. And Really? Yeah. And, they, and they're and they great. They're a great audience. They don't say too much, I, but I always feel like they appreciate it. And it usually I come away from it feeling better about the A-list. And then I came home and came straight from LaGuardia to my mother-in-law's birthday party and it was the in-laws and they were like you know play a couple of new songs for us and they didn't want more than a couple and then i played them and they sort of talked through them and i just sitting there thinking these songs suck i suck this record is gonna suck yeah it's 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 hard it's hard yeah you know what i feel I like cannot. i should read the war on art i gotta read the war on art that's good war, war of art it's war like of that art. thin it's just the, it's like okay it's you could listen to it on the way to LaGuardia. Yeah. One one trip. Um, man, I can't believe that blows my mind that you that you play embryonic songs for your family. That's really interesting to me. I I am I'm such a nervous Nancy. Yeah. Like do like walk me through this is like what time of the day is it like what does everybody have in their hand are people sitting down is it inside or outside like what's what's the vibe usually like when you do this so you know my mom is a loner and she's always been super supportive of my music and she was a singer and she dreamt of being like a backup singer to the stars kind of she's got a great voice but she's always been pretty good at listening to my songs and not making me feel like they were broken or I was broken or whatever. Um, and my brother Ross is, is great at that too, but it's, those are about the only two people in mm. my, in my world that I, that don't mess it up. Like I'll, uh, anybody else, I'll play a song for them and they, uh, they can't, they can almost say nothing. Right. Dude, your in-laws. No way. I don't know why <laughs> I said yes. I shouldn't have said yes. It's insane. It was a that bad idea. I mean, that's an SNL skit in my mind. <laughs> a writer who's about to go into a record and is really nervous about these songs that he's written <laughs> sits down. <laughs> For me, it would be like two very type A, very busy people. <laughs> Just like, oh man, that would that would be that would be insane. <laughs> uh, I I. I want to try this now. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, oh man, I could not, 
I mean, they're lovely people. Uh, I, who? But I'm you're so raw. When you write a song, you're you're so raw, you're, right? Dude, yeah, yeah. It, it's, and it's hard because you don't want to be identified by. You don't. I I don't. I don't want to. I always try not to find my like human identity in my work. I'm always like, I want to be a good friend. I want to try to be a good listener. That's, that's, that's my like measure of success. Right. And I mean, I screw up all the time, but like, that's, that's the deal. But like if, when, when I'm reading, even just reading a, a thing that I, that I read someone out loud, like I'm, I have like this whole existential crisis. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, flipping over and over in my head thinking about it so, but but you saying that definitely makes me think like who who do i who would i do that to who would i sing in front of especially in like an extended period of time i've done like one song in, in front of in front of people but to sit down and like have an evening of like here's my here's my my list here's my A's I've never done that before I I love that now I've done that like in you know concert to strangers that's no problem right you're just but like right in front of one other human that you know really cares about you that's that's hard. <laughs> Does a thing happen to you where a song that you just wrote um, versus a song that's been out in the world and on an album and people know it, and like like you described earlier, it's become their song in a way as well. Those songs, the pre-existing longtime songs that are out mm -hmm. in the world, those have their own life and their own gravitas, and they seem like they've always existed. But this new unvetted song that nobody's ever heard or loved or hated or whatever – like I kept telling myself, if this song gets recorded and it's on an album and it goes out in the world, I'll love it. But right now yeah. I don't, they're different. It's a different thing. Yeah, I know it, it kind of, and you second guess. I wonder if, I wonder too, if uh, I'm only, I'm like seven records deep but I, I know what you're saying, but like, you know, that back before I had like easy access to recording music, that was just how those songs lived for like months or even years. It, the song only existed if I sang it in front of my friends. And I was, that was, a, that was a powerful thing. And, and now, it's really easy for me to walk across the street to my neighbor's backyard studio and like suddenly give a song gravitas and ah, and, uh, and I, I wonder if uh, it's a little too much cushion. I, I think I think I want to do this, man. I, I think I need I think I need the I need that thin layer back. I got too much armor. 
I, I will tell you this. A thing happened while I was playing the songs through where I would realize, oh, this pre-chorus this is way too precious. It needs to mm. move, move quicker. Or, you know, this this bit in the chorus that I keep um, convincing myself is fine. It's not fine. Like, mm. it's not even like they tell me it's not fine, but m hearing it through their ears as I'm singing it to them, it's a totally different experience. And you you remember that, what you're describing, back when those early songs used to only exist in performance. I'm sure as you played them, they would hone themselves um, you know, in sort of like water running over rocks or whatever, like the, the bad shit would have rode away and they would get better as they were yeah. playing. God, I wonder if we should go back to that, Zach, playing songs. I think we should. <laughs> I, I think we should. I, I mean, you know, the other hard thing about leaving New York, I... my closest friends are there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I have, I have friends here and we actually had a lot of friends move down from New York to Nashville after we left. Um, but like the two, the two people that I think of where I'm like, this is who I would want to like sit down with for an hour and a half. And like they're, they're both up in New York. Um, but it makes me want to fly up there and do it. So um, I know you got four kids, but it doesn't. You don't have to lean into your dad mode for this necessarily. I'm wondering if you would mind trying to distill some of this wisdom you've been sharing by imagining a 21 year old version of yourself. Yeah. Um, but in today's world, um, 21 year old you, what advice might you give yourself? Oh man. Ah. Uh... It's funny, my, my 14 year old's about to go into high school. Yeah. And I feel like that's like a, a cliff she's about to jump off of kind of thing. Um, I, so 21 year old me now, right? Yeah. And this, okay. I, I feel like the art of conversation is really important um and 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 being able to listen uh i think is really important i i would i would definitely try to challenge that person to make that like top priority <laughs> um especially in this time right now where like everyone's there's so much drama, uh, you know, online and this and that. I, I would be like, hey, meet with your friends face to face and, and have at length conversations <laughs> with them. Um, yeah, I, I think listening would be, would be the first, like, do this for me kind of thing. It's funny you've brought that up brought that up now a couple of times the idea yeah. of, of listening this this must be something that you're thinking a lot about this is a big part of your journey so. at the moment yeah maybe so maybe so i think i'm really worried um uh i think if i unpacked it I, i'm i'm you know we just we just had this thing happen in nashville a few months ago we had this like shooting 
at, mm. at, a, at a school. And um, it was awful. And thanks, babe. Wow. Nice. I got, a new, got a new cup now. Um, and even a few years ago, like, um, while, uh, Donald Trump was president, like I had some, I had a, a thing that I would do where like someone would attack, like, for instance, I'll just narrow it down to one story. Like we had someone opening for us and she had a, not my press shirt on. And some, a, a fan of ours who didn't feel the same way that she felt politically started attacking her personally online. Mm. Uh, so I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, here's my number. Give me a call. And I've, I've done this. I have, I had done this multiple times and I would get somebody on the phone and we would have like a human conversation and and it would be great. Like suddenly we weren't avatars online anymore. We were human beings talking on the phone. Dude, after this, after the shooting happened, um, one of the family members of the kids that she hadn't even, she hadn't even gone to the funeral yet. We, we were talking about going to the protests and, and we were inviting everybody to go to the like gun control protests with us, which like where you live is like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> down here it's different, right? Uh, um, someone started attacking this 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 lady oh. online. I did the same thing. I and I reached out to him and I was like, I was like, hey, give me a call. I didn't even like leave a. I didn't even say like, hey, this person that you're attacking is is grieving. She hasn't even gone to the little girl's funeral yet. I was like, just give me a call. And I and I got him on the phone and I learned my lesson and I, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. The, it was just a, a, it was, a, he yelled at me for 15 minutes straight. Um, uh, and I, and I waited, I waited for him to calm down. I listened to everything and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even calling you to talk to you about your, your beliefs and uh, the second amendment or anything. I just, I just wanted you to hear a human say like the person you're attacking is, is grieving right now. And don't, don't do that. Just give her space. And he was like, I don't believe you. And I was like, okay, we, we have lost the ability to listen to each other. This is too, this is too much. So, I wonder, I wonder if I'm like quietly really, uh, just, uh, moved, moved by that and worried about that. And then, and then that boils all the way down to like your, your people in your house, right? Like, um, can, can my, can my people listen? Can, can, are we the type of person that can have a conversation with someone who doesn't agree with us about something. I think that's so important, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you would, you would think that that's like common sense. I don't think it's common sense anymore. And that, so maybe, maybe that's why it's, it's like right there. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. It really, it really lands with me. I had a moment with my 19-year-old son yesterday, who's this deeply spiritual kid. And we were kind of going back and forth because he's a teenager and it's sometimes it can be rough. And And I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, just listen, listen more. Mm. And I was like, you know what? He's right. That's And I don't know if it's um, ever just it's a human trait that it's hard that we want to yell and scream and say what we think rather than listen. I do think there's a there's a lead singeritis, you know, where we always have the microphone and we're used to being listened to. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm definitely aware of that and trying to get better in that regard. So it's funny that you uh, would make that such a point of emphasis today. Uh, it's so hard. It's I, same exact thing happened. I woke up this morning and my 12 year old who, who has the, like in a good way, in a bad way, has the mind of like a 25 year old, like her little brother, like, like opened the door of her room at like six in the morning, it's the mm. first week of summer. I wake up to screaming and I like wander in there. I'm like, stop, just don't scream. Everyone stop screaming. What's going on? And I just wanted to fix it. I just wanted no one to scream. And she said, will you just listen to what's happening for a second? I was like exhausted. I was like, no, yes. Okay. Yes. I will. But man, I, I, we just, we just want to fix stuff without, without listening. If they would just listen to us, Zach, we could fix everything. <clears throat> yeah, we can, and we could have so much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Speaking of which, this has been really fun. Thank you. I feel like there's so much useful stuff in here, and I know, like, I might have taken you into the weeds a little bit uh, talking about uh, new songs versus you know songs that are out in the world. That's something that's really on my brain. I appreciate you uh, humoring me in that, and I just I can't wait to read the long form fiction. And no pressure. I know. <laughs> I know that stuff can take a while. I know in my my dreams of writing long form fiction are long term dreams. So, Ooh. yeah, this has yeah. been really this has been really great. I really appreciate it, dude. Well, good luck with the new record. Um, I'm excited that you're doing it over there. Have you made a record on the West Coast before? You know, I've made a record in Portland before. I made a solo record with Chris Funk from Decemberists out in Portland. I love that city. Mm. I've got a lot of friends in Portland. Um, you know, we've got uh, Pete Buck from REM is threatening to come Whoa. in and play some, some mandolin on the album. And Holy cow. It's a great vibe. And I think this is a great time of year to be out there. So I'm excited yes. about that. Man, it's going to be great. I'll let it's you know how it goes. I know there will be some Jim James vibes in that in that studio too. So I'll, yeah. uh, I'll try and soak that up. Dude, well, man, I went to I went to. Let me say one more thing about yeah, yeah, of James. Course. I went to his his solo tour. Remember when we? I mean, it was the first one with A E I O U on it. And I thought that I thought he was doing this thing on purpose with his stage presence. He was at the Ryman. He was stiff as a board, which, you know, usually at his shows, he's like, yeah, he was stiff as a board. And I was like, oh, this is like a character that he's doing. This is interesting. And people would like reach their hand out to touch him. And he would just like ET phone home, like just touch their finger while he was singing. <laughs> and I was like, that's so rad. This is so powerful. I love it. Da, da, da. And then like, and then a, a couple months later, 
I saw him in LA and I was like, man, I, I love your thing. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Turned out that he had just like thrown his back out that morning. Oh, and that was the whole thing. And I was like, well, dude, keep doing that. Cause, cause it was really, really cool. <laughs> like, and there's a lesson in there as well. I feel like, because it's so tempting for artists when you get hurt or you're sick, you have a cold to get out on stage and go, man, I've really got a bad cold or I threw my back right? out. Don't, don't, they don't need to know that. Just go do the show. I am. I always think about Dave Grohl friggin'. Oh, breaking his back and coming breaking, back. Breaking it's, his femur or oh, his something. Leg. And yeah, his leg. Oh, dude, this is insane. Anyway, oh, oh man, good luck. So Thank great. You talk. Thank you, Zach. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.